Welcome to You News, the podcast, using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Iran has been the leading sponsor of terrorism and their pursuit of nuclear weapons threatens the civilized world. We will never let that happen. And that was President Trump addressing the nation in response to Iran's firing of more than a dozen missiles against two Iraqi military bases housing U.S. troops overnight. Hello, I am Aranza Loisaga. Last night's attack was Iran's retaliation after its top general Qasem Soleimani was killed in a U.S. airstrike last week. There are no known U.S. or Iraqi casualties, but the escalating crisis has rattled the international community and provoked serious questions here in the U.S. about what comes next. And we have team coverage of today's developments, the latest from our newsroom from Washington, as well as analysis. First, let's go to Lorraine Caceres with details on last night's missile attacks. Lorraine, what do we know so far? Aranza, we know, of course, that this strike was expected, but the U.S. was ready. Iran saying shortly after the strike that they're willing to end the conflict if the U.S. does not retaliate. It was the strike we were all waiting for. Iran firing dozens of missiles at two Iraqi military bases early Wednesday morning. The Supreme Leader addressing the nation a few hours later. Well, we just gave them a slap in the face last night. This as the crowd cheered, death to America, death to Britain, death to hypocrites and infidels, death to Israel. These military actions are not enough for revenge, said the Supreme Leader. What is important is that the corrupt presence of America in this region comes to an end. The Erbil and Al-Assad bases house hundreds of U.S. and allied troops. More than 20 missiles were fired, but the strikes resulted in no casualties. Iran notified Iraqi military before the strikes, which allowed troops to take cover. At least one landed in a field near Barjarash, about 30 miles from Erbil, the capital of Iraq's self-governing Kurdish region. Security forces inspecting the impact and removing shrapnel. Residents saying the earth shook with the impact and today business owners cleaning the destruction. Trump administration officials are set to believe that Iran missed hitting key populated targets on purpose, with the intention to send a message rather than take significant enough action to trigger a U.S. military response. Iran's foreign minister called the attack a proportionate measure in self-defense. Iran's Revolutionary Guard warned if the United States retaliates, we will, quote, respond to you in America. Meanwhile, Iraqi residents are tired of being in conflict. This mural showing the Iraqi and Iranian flags reading, Baghdad will remain free. Iran out. We demand the president of the republic to take a decisive stance against these successive strikes and violations on Iraq's sovereignty, against Iraq's flag, against Iraq's name and against the Iraqi people with all its components. We reject all kinds of interference and settling accounts in this great country.
The strikes are Iran's most direct assault on the United States since the 1979 seizure of the U.S. Embassy in Tehran. And this all develops as the remains of General Soleimani were finally laid to rest today. His burial had been delayed after a stampede left dozens dead. Back to you, Aranza. Lorraine, thank you very much for this report. And now let's go to Janet Rodriguez in Washington, D.C. with more on the president's address this morning. Janet. Well, Adansan, it doesn't seem that there will be any retaliation, military retaliation from the part of the U.S., but there will be more economic sanctions to come immediately, said the president today here at the foyer of the White House, basically de-escalating to the situation. Yesterday, we heard him say that he would be ready to attack if Iran would attack the U.S., but today there was no mention of military action, although he did say that we were ready, that we had the missiles and the equipment to be able to deploy, but that's not what he wants to do. He did re Affirm what the Pentagon had said this morning that there were no casualties. Here is what the president had to say. As we continue to evaluate options in response to Iranian aggression, the United States will immediately impose additional punishing economic sanctions on the Iranian regime. These powerful sanctions will remain until Iran changes its behavior. Now, the president is also asking NATO and other European allies to disengage with Iran to go ahead and pull away from that 2015 Iranian deal that was signed under the Obama administration because Iran doesn't, he says, uh, need any protection. And he said, starting what he first said when he started uh, his uh, speech today was that Iran will not have any nuclear weapons while he's president of the United States, that he will not allow that to happen. So that was a clear message from the president of the United States, but a much different tone at answer from what we have heard in the past few days of you attack we attack and we're ready to do it today no attacks just economic sanctions and asking for peace the last the, the last thing that the president said today was to a message to the Iranian people and to the Iranian government saying that he wants to see peace in that country and peace in the Middle East basically and that he hopes that he can make that happen however we don't believe that Iran and the US will sit down at the table and start negotiating anytime soon but for now there doesn't seem to be any more military action from either part. Back to you. Thank you very much, Janet Rodriguez, reporting from Washington, D.C. So it's anyone's guess what will happen next in the escalation with Iran, but the risk of a cyber attack, you know, is pretty much elevated, as Secretary of State Mike Pompeo acknowledged last week. Let's go to Univision's investigative reporter, Jose Paglieri, who's been tracking this. Jose, thank you for joining us. Thank you. So uh, something that we should think about when we consider Iran's potential retaliation is the cyber attack that they could conduct against the United States. And there's precedent for this. I mean, Iran's hackers are extremely capable. They attacked the American banking system in 2012. And, you know, a lot of people talk about Russia and North Korea um, and China even as hackers. But let's remember that the most destructive cyber attack in history up until 2012 was Iran's attack on Saudi Aramco. They destroyed thousands of computers there. And that doesn't sound like a big deal, right, just shutting down computers. But that shows that they're able to get into a system and wipe things. And when we think about how connected we are today, we're not just talking about inconveniences, right? We're not talking about not being able to see Netflix. We're talking about disrupting computers at hospitals or turning off traffic lights. I mean, these things have cascading effects that could really disrupt the American economy and make Americans feel more in a few weeks with Iran than they have with almost 18 years in Afghanistan.
So, Jose, what is the worst case scenario, you know, when we talk about a cyber attack, you talked about, you know, maybe traffic lights or, you know, banking systems or hospitals, but do they have the capability, for instance, to attack our electric grail, grid? Uh, they do. They do. And, you know, a worst case scenario in the cyber community that deals with these types of attacks and defends against them um, and prepares against them is turning off the lights, right? I mean, you can imagine what would happen if a section of the energy grid turned off. Now, the United States doesn't have one grid. You're not going to get somebody who flips a switch and suddenly all the lights go off in America. I mean, realistically, what would happen is that maybe, just maybe, Iran will get into a power plant in New York and shut off a neighborhood, right? But the worst case um, scenario there is not really the flipping off of the switch. It's actually scaring Americans, right? It's people n deciding not to take their kids to school the next day. It's gasoline stations deciding to not actually staff their employees there so that people can't get gas and now they can't go to work. And so the biggest, most powerful tool in the cybersecurity world is fear. And Iran has that to their advantage because their, speciali their specialization is asymmetric attacks. That's, you know, it's not a punch in the face. It's when you turn around, we'll poke you a little bit. But over a long time, they can cause a lot of damage. And so the worst case scenario for them would be turning off the lights somewhere and causing fear or panic across the country. And my last, my last question, Jose, if you may very briefly, what is the most likely scenario? Hmm. Now, the most likely scenario is that this will be death by a thousand cuts. I mean, we'll see subway systems get interrupted. We'll see hospital systems that slow down and they won't take credit for it. It's going to take weeks or months for us to determine, wait a minute, it was Iran. But that's the kind of game they play. So the, the most realistic scenario is that uh, we're just going to get, you know, uncomfortable if they perform any cyber attacks, which they are very capable of doing. Well, Jose, thank you for joining us. This was a fantastic perspective of the potential that Iran has when we're talking about cyber attacks. We'll see you next time. Thank you. So turning now to another developing story, the deadly crash of a Boeing 737 in Tehran. This was a Ukrainian airliner. The cause of the crash now under investigation, but there's wide speculation the air disaster could very well be linked to the missile launch from Iran. Here's the very latest. As the world watches the escalating tensions in the Middle East, Tragedy in Tehran. All 176 people on board a passenger plane died when the Ukraine-bound Boeingcraft crashed shortly after takeoff. The 737 plane left Tehran this morning heading to Kiev. According to the website FlightRadar24, the plane stopped transmitting data at about 8,000 feet and crashed just two minutes into the flight. Video from moments after the crash show several small fires at the scene. At sunrise, Emergency crews scoured the debris field, the area covered with twisted metal and large pieces of a fuselage in a drainage ditch. The cause of the crash is not immediately known. Iranian state-run news reports the plane had a mechanical issue. This has not been independently verified. And now Boeing released a statement saying they are aware of media reports and they are gathering more information. The plane involved is a 737, but it is not. The 737 MAX model involved in the two crashes in Indonesia and Ethiopia. Because the crash happened in Iranian soil, Iran will lead the investigation.
Turning to Puerto Rico, a state of emergency has been declared on the island after multiple earthquakes and aftershocks rocked the U.S. territory, including a 6.4 magnitude quake that killed at least one person and knocked out electricity for millions of residents. Ricardo Arambarri is in the town of Juanica with the latest. Yes, hello, thank you. We're here in El Barrio La Luna. It's a small community in the town of Juanica. And as you can see, a lot of people have been sleeping outside their homes. We're going to go inside this one. I was just talking to uh, Nicolás, the owner of the house, just a few minutes ago. And you see the house, it looks pretty good. But once you get close to it, you can see the damage that the structure has been subject to. Uh, let's go to the back because you're going to see. They say the house is totally useless now they're not uh, going to go inside they're afraid that if there comes like look all of the structure is damaged and they are afraid that if there's another tremor the whole thing might come down uh, they're here in the back I'm going to say hello this is uh, Bruno the dog of the house he's been uh, suffering with the uh, whole ordeal oh. to hey Bruno uh, he, and this is the lady of the house. Avisa. Avisa. And Nicolas. And Nicolas. Okay. So, how has been this for you? I mean, it's been tough, it's, I guess. It's terrible. Terrible. And, and I feel it's terrible. Right. Nicolas, uh, yeah. just briefly while you're on that phone call, uh, you guys came from New York. You made uh, sort of made your money in New York, bought this house, retired here, but now it's, it's all damaged. That's right. That's right. That's it. That's, that's the limit. That's it. So, what are you going to do now? We we have to go back to New York because you know about my age. You know, what are we go to do in Puerto Rico here now. Where will we right. live? Okay. We got we got no place to go. It's a huge house, though. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But, but you know, t t that's a, we need a lot of money now to fix him up. Show me some of the uh, damage here, because uh, I I can tell that this is not repairable. No. No, oh, I mean, I you can patch it a little yeah, bit, but the, but the damage the, is done to the structure. Sure, yeah, that's right, that's right. And the whole, the whole the basement, you know, the whole thing, the bottom is all the same way. The bottom of the house is destroyed the same way, yeah. Same way. I did walk inside uh, some of the rooms before, and your wife was showing me uh, the damage. And this is just a small illustration of what has happened in this area of the island. Uh, street after street, we see these. Uh, a lot of people sleeping outside because... We've been sleeping outside. Right, and, and yeah. a lot of people were telling me yeah. that, 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 that you have not even gotten any sort of aid. You got some water, and that's about it, right? Yeah. No, we don't even have water yet. Oh, no. We don't have no water, no electricity. We don't have nothing. Okay. All right, so these are the yeah, conditions. Exactly. We're in very bad shape, you know, in very bad condition. Very bad shape. Real. Okay, these are the uh, conditions, the situation in the southern part of the island. Uh, it's been affected Ponce, but mostly uh, Guanica, where we are, Guayanilla, and uh, Yauco. And uh, with that, I'm going to uh, go back to you. Uh, the situation is pretty dire here. Another night sleeping on the street and on your car because they have nowhere to go. Some people have been going to uh, to a shelter, and we're going to go there for the, for the next hour. So for now, this is all from Puerto Rico. I'm Ricardo Arambarri. A mother's concern that her son was incorrectly labeled a gang member by the Los Angeles Police Department triggered an investigation. That investigation has now led to the suspension of more than a dozen officers who are part of an elite crime unit amid allegations that they were falsifying records. Dulce Castellanos has more. 
A group of officers from the Los Angeles Police Department is being investigated for falsifying documents to erroneously classify individuals as gang members. Individuals are being charged as gang members who shouldn't be charged as gang members. And these individuals will face 10 or 20 more years in prison because they're allegedly a gang member. The officers involved were part of an elite division assigned to a specialized patrol to suppress crime in South Los Angeles, an area with a majority of Latino and African-American individuals. The Latino and African-American community continues to be victimized by problematic LAPD officers. It was a mother's report at the beginning of 2019 that led to the investigation after she claimed her son had been mistakenly identified as a gang member. Video from body cameras and other documents revealed inaccuracies in the officer's report. The civil rights attorney says these actions are damaging to the relationship between the community and authorities. It's a very serious matter when a police officer falsifies evidence against any individual because not only is the police officer corrupt, but it corrupts the entire criminal justice system. In a statement, Chief of Police Michael Moore said, an officer's integrity must be absolute. There is no place in the department for any individual who would purposely falsify information on a department report. The officers involved were placed in off-service duty or removed from the field while the investigation continues in collaboration with the county's district attorney's office for any potential criminal charges that may arise. In Los Angeles, Dulce Castellanos, U News. Members of the Lebaron family met Tuesday with Mexican Attorney General Alejandro Gertz Manero for a briefing on the investigation into the relatives massacre. According to a statement from the Attorney General's office, up to 40 suspects have been identified by aliases and nicknames as possible participants in the attack. The Attorney General's office also reiterated the information given last week about the detention of seven people linked to the November 4th attack in Sonora where three women and six children were killed. President Andres Manuel López Obrador will visit La Mora, Sonora on Sunday to meet with members of the victim's family. Venezuela entering President Juan Guaidó pledged Tuesday to move forward in his bid to topple the country's socialist government and called on people to take to the streets on Thursday and also Friday. Earlier Tuesday, Guaidó burst through the National Assembly's doors, along with several dozen opposition lawmakers after navigating their way past state security forces. The dramatic meeting followed several days of upheaval in which government-backed lawmakers announced they were taking control of the National Assembly. And Venezuelan socialist leader Nicolás Maduro accused the U.S. government of interventionism while responding to the sanctions imposed by the Trump administration on Venezuelan lawmakers who tried to oust opposition leader Juan Guaidó from the National Assembly on Tuesday. Several of those lawmakers were expelled from their parties in December as they were accused of corruption. And in Spain, socialist leader Pedro Sánchez took the oath as prime minister today, a day after his proposal to form a leftist coalition government narrowly won by a parliamentary confidence vote with support from smaller parties. Sánchez took the oath of office before Spanish King Felipe VI in a ceremony that ended months of political deadlock in the Eurozone's fourth largest economy. More of your news after this short break. 
Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. Your news covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your news, your world, your news on Fusion. to you news A new study finds that the number of Americans who died from alcohol-related problems more than doubled between 1999 and 2017. Researchers with the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism found that there were nearly 36,000 deaths related to alcohol in 1999. By 2017, that number had grown to more than 72,000. About half of these deaths were from liver disease, alcohol overdose, or alcohol mixed with other drugs. Researchers found that men died at a higher rate than women, but the largest annual increase in deaths was among non-Hispanic white women. Rates of deaths also increased more for people between the ages of 55 and 64. In other health news, the cancer death rate in the United States fell to 0.2% in 2017. That's the biggest single-year drop ever reported. The improvement in 2017, the most recent year for which data is available, is in part of a long-term drop in cancer mortality. Since peaking in 1991, the cancer death rate has fallen 29%. The Cancer Society report projects about 1.8 million new cases of cancer in the United States this year and more than 606,000 deaths nationally. Cancer is the second leading cause of death here in the United States after heart disease in both men and women as well. And health officials now officially saying that 2019 was the worst year for the spread of measles since 1992. The majority of cases were among people who were not vaccinated against the disease. Six more cases of measles were reported to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in December. That brings the total U.S. cases in 2019 to 1,282. That's the highest number of cases in 27 years, with patients confirmed in 31 states. New York alone accounted for almost three-quarters of the cases. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.